Hello there everybody, my name is Sophie Aldred and I had the enormously great pleasure of playing the character of Ace in Doctor Who. And I would like to just remind you that you are listening to Gallifrey Public Radio. It's not private, it's public. And it means that you, the public, can listen to this Gallifrey Public Radio. And I'm very honoured to be on it and interviewed by it. So I hope you really enjoy the interview with me and all the other amazing stuff that they put out. And thank you, thank you, thank you for supporting Doctor Who all these years and for all this time. Because without you, Doctor Who wouldn't be the show it is today. This is Gallifrey Public Radio, a weekly podcast dedicated to positive enjoyment of Doctor Who. We travel through classic and new episodes, explore the extended universe, and play a few games from time to time. We do discuss news, content that has been officially released, and the occasional interesting rumor, but we'll warn you before anything considered spoilers comes up. Welcome to episode 467 of Gallifrey Public Radio, where all we need to do to conquer the airwaves is find the Keystone microphone that was hidden away by one podcast crew from another during a hostile takeover, and is now a legend that a third crew is looking for, but it's not really a crew, it's just one person, and uh, I'm Kier. I'm Haley. I'm Jay. And I'm Julie. This week, we reached the penultimate story in both the Chris Chibnall and 13th Doctor eras with the seafaring swashbuckler Legend of the Sea Devils. In 19th century China, the pirate queen Ching Shi pursued a vast treasure in order to pay ransom for her crew and sons at any cost. That quest led her to seek the sunken treasure of Jihun. Our TARDIS trio is on their quest to find a nice beach, and they find that one. And in doing so, they soon learn that the Sea Devils have been plotting a return to power if they can locate a particular keystone. That keystone will allow them to effectively drown the planet through some science that, well, let's just say it doesn't need to be scrutinized for that long. But they find the gem in an unlikely location, after first doing a bit of time hopping to find out why Jihun's 16th century ship went down in the first place. Things get a little hectic, and even though no one seems to have a crew of more than five, there's a whole lot of unexpected swordplay. The sea devils are vanquished, the treasure is found, and all that's left is to figure out the elephant in the TARDIS control room between Yaz and the Doctor. What are you wearing? What she gave me. Too much. Way too much. You said that looked all right. Yes, did you just stand up like this? She said nautical would suit me. I can't leave you alone for a second. At least you didn't bring the hook. Well, the fan base got pretty damned excited to see an adversary that uh, first uh, appeared in the show nearly 50 years ago and hadn't really been seen in any form since the early 80s. So how was the unexpected return of these classic villains handled in this story? I I really appreciate it. Like, I, I like the fact that we met them before, like, 
so the doctor meets them in the future as the third doctor. And so it, it was a nice way of being able to be like, yes, we're reintroducing the sea devils, but we don't have to acknowledge anything that happened previously. We can just yeah. say, yes, the doctor encountered them, but we have a blank slate to do whatever we want with them right now. True. So it was, it was a nice little bit of a hand wavy there. I enjoyed the, the fact that even down to the costume level, they did things that sort of set up the way that they would have appeared as they started to emerge from the surf in the <laughs> 1970s. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, they're kind of roughed up. I wonder why. Well, maybe because all of these things the 13th Doctor just did to them. Uh, so that was a nice little reversal of the timeline on that. I mm -hmm. thought that was pretty clever and, and cognizant of how to handle classic fans who would say, well, you got to make sure you do it right or... Or new fans who say, I have no idea why everyone's so getting so excited, but I'm willing to tune in and watch. Mm -hmm. Well, and you, you have to do it right. I mean, we see humans in various states of development and culture across the span of time and the universe. So why wouldn't any other creature or race that we encounter have that same evolution? Mm. Yeah, that's true. This that it was sort of indicative, the, the idea of doing the... Um, we have to go back to my future sort of thing. Uh, and, and those little tricks within the script happened a couple times. I'm glad to see we get some legit time hopping. Mm -hmm. uh, granted, it's sort of the, the explanation as to why or how it was going to be done was a little madcap and kind of flew at you really quickly, as did a lot of things in the story. But the, the, the idea of, well, you've got a time machine. Do some time manipulation within the bounds of your moral compass. Uh, mm -hmm was good to see one thing i feel like missed a beat for me was when the tardis left 1803 i want dan to be unable to speak to everyone around him the only reason why <laughs> that is timey-wimey is because the tardis is there and that allows reading and speaking the languages mm. i wish that the moment the tardis left is when Madam Chang came around the corner and he is speaking in a completely foreign language and that's why they get strung up. And then as soon as the TARDIS comes back is when they're hung upside down and you clever, get to, yeah. then he gets to explain himself and talk through it. I think that would have been just the pin in everything and made the show that much better for me. Yes, that would have been a fantastic moment in this story, but then you're like, well, what happened to Perry when the TARDIS left? <laughs> yeah. Or every other companion that got stranded somewhere? Mm. Yeah, they they that one aspect of uh, of the translation circuit or however it was referred to has always been problematic. Um, and I think that some people tried to explain it away by saying, "Oh, well, it's it's residual effects that that there's that a quantum entanglement between the companion and the TARDIS mm. that spans space and time." <laughs> Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Hey, there there are other series that aren't even time travel series that handle conflicting languages and language barriers really well. Um, and I, I think this 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 might have been yet another opportunity missed because it really, as Julie was just explaining, it, it kind of there was that that opportunity to use that right there in the story and still get the results that you wanted and make it a little bit more respectful. Because I think even though there were the, the not to sort of jump away from the, the original question about the um, about the sea devils, but just the idea of this historical piece, I feel like it didn't have enough historical components to it other than just the fact that they dropped it into a particular place in time and gave some characters, uh, you know, particular names to carry. It didn't feel like it had enough of that, that period and, and that 
that culture to really carry. Mm-hmm. I, well, and that, so, that's so, kind of the nature of a seafaring story is it exists on its own little island and is not necessarily very tightly connected to the broader world that it's taking place in. I, I guess so. I guess, but if you're going to do that and you're going to start referencing actual historical figures uh, and and lore uh, and and even like the the legends of of these treasures and these vessels and things, that you let that steep a little further. But how? Like talking about it, having it reference I don't, some I don't, of the legends of what is part of that. Still, like they're in a, like a covid bubble a little bit when they're recording so they can't have a huge cast so like yeah Mm -hmm. a lot of the villagers die and then not much of the story takes place there there's not really much of a crew on the ship because you don't want a lot of extras wandering and milling about yeah i i would say i haven't read a lot of her specific history and whether she actually found this kind of treasure or what happened with her crew specifically, but I would say if there's any of this that was a bit of her legend, then that sits well for me because Mm. you can't do a whole lot more. I think maybe you're looking for something more like the woman who was in the very first episode of Flux where it was a lot of her and like dropping things from that historical Mm. time period, but there's not a lot that's known about the piracy type stuff except for what was legend and so if there is any legend where she fought a mythical sea creature found a lost treasure that wasn't really findable for so long Mm. i think all of that would map and puts it into the time frame and references her story well i don't know i I guess i I just it it left me feeling as i as i've seen some others expressing uh since it aired uh, well a day ago that you could have swapped in any pirate you know, mythical, mm. legendary, fictional, didn't really matter. And you'd end up with the same story. You could just, you know, plug it in uh, as right. needed. But why not pick one of the powerful women pirates from history? Uh, uh, understandable. Absolutely understandable. I just, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I just have this prevailing feeling like it missed a trick somewhere. Uh, and I'm not really sure. Well, there's, there's a lot of places where it, it kind of fell short from what people expected. I mean, the, I was, incredibly excited to see the the sea devils come back and when we got the trailer for it and you saw the face actually move i was like holy crap this is going to be amazing and then you watch the episode and you realize that really all they did was just the little like flex uh you know tool on photoshop a few times so that the face bent in weird ways Mm -hmm. and there was actually no real movement it's like oh that's not what i thought i was coming for so yeah, they, like they had the like a, 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 a yeah a bubble mm-hmm. like a air pocket in the yeah. neck so that it would expand. Yeah, but hey, hey, at least he can do do a Super Mario jump into <laughs> the ship. True. Yeah, that was pretty so. impressive. He he had the feather cap yeah, on that was, for that one. Right, <laughs> it was like full on anime. So since we've kind of been talking about the writing, let's dig into that for a minute. Uh, Ella Road was really excited to share that she pinned this one, and yes, Chibnall is credited as co-writer. But does this feel any different from the other series or other stories in series 13? I don't I don't know that it does insofar as having a lot of information and a lot of dialogue crammed into uh, a single 50 minute turn. This was a very fast talking, mm-hmm. fast moving episode, which works in some aspects. Um, I sort of see it as this inverse bell curve where it starts out really strong and and the action is right on par with the dialogue and you're really getting and you're okay i got these pieces i got my i got my players and then somewhere in the second act it gets bogged down with something 
and I, I haven't quite been able to articulate what it is that makes it feel murky to me. And I don't know if that's a sort of visual or dialogue or, or what. So I, I think if this were a classic story, we, we would have had our four parts, right? It feels like we got yeah. three of the four parts of a classic story. And it's I don't, like a whole story in a classic version of this would have been when they went back to the other ship. I was going to say, I, I, this felt like it very much could have benefited from being a uh, at least a two-part. You know, it mm. gives some of it room to breathe, explains it, because there was some really interesting stuff going on here. I mean, you had the the family that was honor-bound with this task of guarding this this statue and this the the keystone and – I want to learn more about what when it when did that? Yeah, you know, we get we got a few lines thrown out that was just kind of like, oh wait, they're so okay. That guy trusted this one's grandfather with wait what? And it's, mm-hmm. you really could have done with a bit more explanation on that, or a bit more, uh, you know, like just anything really. Uh, and then time to sit with us, yeah, just time yeah. to process. Exactly. I will say for me on a rewatch, it fit better together Mm -hmm. because I think I knew a little bit more and I was looking for those connected pieces. And I, on the first go round, I even sat there and thought like, how did they get from that ship to that ship and then back to the other ship and then to the other thing? And then where did those people go? Mm -hmm. So I feel like the second time around, I was able to sort of wait for that and say, oh, okay, there were actual cues that led from one scene to another scene where they were in different locations and some of the science then seemed like it made the it gelled a little better Mm -hmm. but i don't as a viewer want to have to watch twice Mm -hmm. to be able to connect all of that together in my brain it's like those little flip cards that make a picture all together, but you went way too slow or way too fast. And you're like, there's nothing that made that stick. What? Yeah. So that's, mm-hmm. it, it was just too disconnected. It's, you want to be, you want somebody to watch it a second time because they enjoyed it and they want to get more out of it. You don't want them to ha- to feel like they have to, because I, I've, I've had friends who were like, it's like, yeah, no, I'm 10 minutes in and I'm already checked out. It's like, mm-hmm. you, you, at that point, they're not going to go back and watch a second time. I have to wonder with these specials, why don't they go like an hour and a half or two hours? Most of the time they keep them at like a standard episode length. And it seems like if it's a special, you don't need to do that. Like give the story a little more room to breathe. It's not like you've got a next episode where you can expand on anything you're developing. Like this is going to stand on its own. Mm. That was something that uh, that I, I sat with for a while last night after watching and thinking that this is... Granted, these specials are supposed to be sort of encapsulated. They're supposed to just be a, you know, if not necessarily a bottle, but as near as so, so that you can walk away from it and say, all right, well, that didn't really have too much bearing on the greater arc, even though we really should be addressing the greater arc right now, because it's really, really problematic. Mm -hmm. But if that's the case, then you should be putting something out there, knowing that people are going to go months before they get anything else and leave a good taste in their mouth. So to when Julie's excellent point about saying that, you know, I shouldn't feel like I have to watch it a second time because I have to, um, because otherwise it either came at me too fast, too slow, too detailed, not detailed enough or whatever the, the crime may be. That was a lot of our prevailing problem that we had with the flux series to begin with, because it was it, it every, every single story required two watches just to grasp what was really going on. And to to its detriment, and apparently that just that lesson has not been learned. 
it's hard to pitch to people who don't get as excited about this stuff as we do to say, oh, the second time it'll be better. <laughs> right. No, I wouldn't it's ask like, anybody no, no, no. to do the, that. The fourth or fifth time, it really comes together at that point. It just it clicks and it gels and you get the best sense and about three quarters of the way through, you totally <laughs> understand it. You get this moment of clarity. Yeah. That that's That's not... Especially That's when so many viewers help. have been so checked out for the last few years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the the little bit of the of of carryover that we did get was the the doctor and Yaz's relationship, and there's been a, a number of interviews from the the cast to the crew that have shared uh, that the Thasman relationship grew organically as the series uh, was written. Uh, so in service to the fans and the integrity integrity of the story, their interactions had to be handled. And this is a direct quote, respectfully and delicately. Do we feel like that was actually accomplished? I mean, I like that they actually talked about it. It would have been easy to punt for another story and then just have like a big emotional dump right as the doctor's regenerating or as Yaz is getting stranded in time for whatever reason. Like that's kind Mm -hmm. of what I expected to happen is that we would kind of have a tin and rose moment where – He's about to confess right as they're never going to ever see each other again. Um, Yeah. So I'm glad they at least talked about it. For me, I felt like there's two sides to it. It felt very organic because in the rollout of it, it was sort of pieced through their activity. So it wasn't like, oh, we must sit here and have this conversation. Mm -hmm. I feel like it was organic in the way that when you're walking down the street or doing an activity with someone, you start to think about it and you talk about it and you get distracted and then you come back to it and say, oh, this thing again, remember that thing I said? I'm I'm processing it again and I'd like to bring that back up and then you get distracted. So that part felt very real and respectful to what real relationships feel like. But on the flip side of that, to me, it also felt very much driven by the doctor. And I feel like Yaz did not get a chance at any point to say her side of things. And I mm-hmm. don't feel that's fair. She said a lot of was just listening and accepting what the doctor felt was going on. And there was no chance for her to share her side of, hey, what about me? I'm here for this. I'm, I've been traveling with you. I also have these emotions. You just yeah. were supposed to get that from her actions and i feel she did a fantastic job of portraying it but when the conversation literally the conversation is one-sided yeah it's not real especially the last conversation like there's the one that's happening in the action but the one at the end on the beach that's where she should have had her bit uh and been like you know maybe that's what you're thinking but this is what i'm feeling right now and like i i also would like a say in what's going on so yeah. the the one thing that I I really liked was the fact that after you know the doctor makes a comment, Yaz goes to Dan. And she's like, "Did you say something to her? Did it, is that what brought this on? You know, because because that felt very real. Yeah, of like you know she mm-hmm. had something to say in the last episode. This comes up all of a sudden. It's like, okay, wait, I've I've got to sort this out. You know, is this like a, a genuine thing that she brought up, or did you prompt her in some way? You know, so I, I liked that aspect of it and. I agree that Yaz should have had something to say, that it should have been a discussion instead of a lecture. Yep. If in the next story, Yaz gets a chance to come back and be like, no, you know, I, I'm involved in this too. And I don't care what you say, this is going to happen. And, you know, however long we've got, I'm going to value it, that kind of thing. 
I think it'll be worth it. I think that looking at the the story as a whole at that point, this won't be as bad because then it will be a a carryover thing. I am entirely prepared to be very angry at the resolution of the relationship. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, likewise, because I am I am putting my quarter down now. Uh, that is saying that it's going to be something where um, she will get her opportunity to speak her mind right before her death. Yep. Yeah, basically. I think I think Yaz is going out in a blaze of glory. Yeah. So I would not be surprised if that was the case. I would not bet against it, in yeah. fact. I I also really, it really bothered me the fact that you don't even actually name check. You just make an offhanded reference to River Song and just like a, it's like, oh yeah, that, that includes my wife kind of thing. It's like, I, I get that you can't go into the whole backstory at that point. Like a lot was going on, but like, if you are trying to make this like relationship seem like it's valuable don't point out the time where it's actually worked in this show like leave that leave that mm. alone so that it it doesn't because at this point i'm comparing and i'm like well they've they've done a quote-unquote romance before like and it worked well don't point at that and then be like but we can't do that now <laughs> But I also feel like that's one of those things where when you're the awkward human, Time Mm. Lord, whatever, on that side, being like, I'm trying to share my feelings with you and I don't know how to do this. You accidentally blurt out, yeah, I was married once and it worked. And but you're you're awesome in this (laughs) moment to me, like that person was to me. That's where I took that to go, as well as just the slight tip of the hat. So I'm not mad at that. It's for me, it's more of the the more high school way that it was handled where it's like, uh, like you're saying sort of luxury. And then, Oh, my, my nan says this, ha ha. Okay. <laughs> let's throw rocks and cut. Scene. It, it definitely fit the characters. And in the moment it was okay. It wasn't until afterwards that I like started thinking about it. I'm like, that's why that bothered me. So yeah, mm-hmm. it, it was, I'm overanalyzing it, I'm sure. But at the same time, it's <laughs> well, points. when that's what we're given, uh, <laughs> yeah. we're going to overanalyze it for, <laughs> Quite some time. Yeah, another six Speaking months at least. Speaking of which, uh, let's kind of fold our usual news segment into this part of the conversation. Uh, we are not going to see the finale until October and more likely November. But the next time teaser slammed us back into the Flux storyline with a ton to deal with. So what do we think we can tell so far? Sasha Dewan gets a big beard <laughs> and then loses it. it. Right. Or is it the or other way? Or vice versa. Oh, I don't yeah. know. Are they going to leave him stranded on an island or planet or something somewhere where he grows a beard? That rock that he got sent to? (laughs) I've got to say, I I, I like the Master's Rasputin look. It just, it works for me. (laughs) But Tegan and Ace, back in the fray, teaming up to be the support squad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it looks like, I was trying to make out like what what their backdrop was when they were talking. I didn't know if they were in the old unit offices that looked like it might have been the same set. Or maybe they were just reusing the same location to shoot that thing again. But I wouldn't be surprised if Kate starts pulling in the odd squad. Oh, yeah. Which would be amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see Kate back. I'm a little confused as to why we have Vendor back again. Because I thought that his storyline was pretty wrapped up fluxy things well yeah or or in this case unfluxing it Mm -hmm. so if you have to unflux it then you have to you have to involve bell and vendor because they are part of the part of that whole wrap-up in at least in some capacity they were there in time but you also had you had the busted up cyberman that was not the same 
one was it? from Villa Diodati, right? The I, I thought it Cyberman. was. Was it? It looked like a like a different I mean, break across the helmet. I don't. They, I couldn't know, quite tell. They they thought that somebody, someone of the stagehands or something, thought that the helmet was broken, so they tossed it, and then they had to remake it. So it's <laughs> it's it's fine. The uh, flux got to half of it, and it's like a phantom mask. Uh-huh. She's gonna break out into song, which is yeah. not something I think we've ever seen in Doctor Who. So didn't see any um, any battle potatoes in this the trailer. True. So so we saw Daleks and Cybermen, but we did not see. Uh, they were wiped out. That's what we thought with the Daleks as well. They were completely mashed. Ah, uh, uh, yes, of course, mashed. You go That's sit in the good. corner and think about That's what good. you just did. Um, and and we didn't see any sign of um of our uh, ravagers, you know, True. or or yeah. the 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 creature known as time, or you know, any of that stuff. So that's well, any um, of them could have been time <laughs> from the planet time. <laughs> yeah, in the galaxy of time. Oh. I, I, don't. I know that they're doing fantastic jobs of making trailers look incredible. So I'm super excited for this. Yeah. But I've also been burned a couple times. So, yeah. Yeah. so do we, is it supposed to be another hour long special or do we know that even? I don't know about the, about the total airtime. The, I, I know to, if we want to be absolutely pedantic about it, the BBC started its daily broadcasting on November 12th of uh 1922 so if they were going to do it like do their centenary as accurately as possible they'd be throwing that into the second week of november um whenever that falls i'm not sure where the you know where your adjacent weekends would fall so the 12th is a saturday okay they i mean think about day of the doctor that was a full cinematic length thing um i don't uh, i think they should I think based on their recent track record, they need at least 90 minutes to give us, you know, uh, set up midpoint and ending without feeling like they're cramming it through a straw. But Give us a full two hours and then split it up into, you know, part one and two later when you go to, to re-air it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have not taken the the frame by frame parsing of the trailer yet. Uh, I know they're out there. I know people have done really, really surgical analyses of these things so far. But um, yeah, I I know there's a lot in there that I didn't even catch from the first couple times I saw it. There is a lot to unpack. I don't think we're going to devote an entire episode to unpacking the thing because that's just well, who wants to listen to us take thirty seconds and stretch it across <laughs> thirty minutes? This is not that kind of podcast. Um, but there's there i'm sure we'll get a few more things they did drop some promo photos now after the teaser dropped um janet fielding and and uh and sophie aldrin and things they they both started tweeting out what they were given permission to start using some set photos and, and promotional photos and then the bbc press archive started putting some things out to go along with it so there's some beautiful beautiful shots of some stuff that they're allowed to share so far mm-hmm. But all that does is just really give you a clearer picture of what you were already seeing in the trailer. So there's nothing new under the sun mm-hmm. since it dropped. But uh, Sasha Dewan is psyched to be back. His <laughs> his tweets have been over the moon. And I don't know how he was sitting on that kind of energy all through Galley. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Because if mm-hmm. you don't, then you don't come back and you don't have yeah, jobs in the future. NBA's but have spikes on them. Yeah. But that uh, I, the prevailing 
reaction I was getting from from a lot of people, from casual viewers to to fellow podcasters and things about this past story is that, well, that next time trailer. (laughs) (laughs) Right? We sat through the rest of this hour-long show for the last minute. Mm -hmm. Doctor Who does not have a great track record with pirate stories. They just don't. I would say this might be the best pirate one. I feel like everybody always enjoys the pirate stories fine when it's much later. Yeah, Uh, yeah, maybe. Well, here's one last thing. Just a a quick go around on this. Do you think this story, exactly as it is, or or maybe without the the Thasmid elements in it because of uh, of the the sequencing of it, or or maybe even leaving it intact, would this story have worked better if it were somewhere in the middle of the flux season? If if this were a mid-season story rather than... In the middle of a season, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. that's what it it felt like. It felt like, you know, a mid-season romp. Yeah, if this was some kind of filler episode, absolutely would have been fine with it. Yeah, what made this such a special show? It wasn't part of the I flux. I don't think it had that kind of gravitas. Well, the, yeah. and the fact that it came right after the resolution of the flux, and it's like, all right, most of the universe has been destroyed, and we're just going to ignore that and go on a beach holiday? Like, that's, <laughs> it, it just really, like, it, that bothered me through the whole thing. The, the pursuit of the beach that... I think I like I enjoyed it fine because I was like at, pretty early on I was like this is not special but I I can enjoy it for what it is. Yes. And apparently Haley's dog can enjoy it too. <laughs> Big fan. When we come back in 2 weeks we're going to be taking a look at the 20th anniversary special The Five Doctors. This is something you can sit back and enjoy. Yes. This- Good stuff. I'm very much looking forward to this one. I've never seen it all the way through. Yeah, yeah. And now you have all the all the, the pretense and backstories. Yeah, for yeah. yeah. A lot of fun. So looking forward to that one for sure. I'm, I know. I'm I'm really looking forward because I've never actually watched this one. This is a, I I went to a couple times and I'm like, no, no, I'm gonna hold off. I'm gonna wait until like I hit it in the story. And I can tell you, I am super excited to see Tom Baker back in the story. I can't wait to see his part in all this. <laughs> Yeah. Well, just don't, don't. Nope. No spoiler. Uh, uh, no, but hey, uh, just a uh, fun little fact. The the story that airs after, say so the timing on this is just off by a little bit, would have been the last time we saw the Sea Devils. Mm-hmm. 1984. So, weird. Well, this has been episode 467 of Gallifrey Public Radio. Until next time, this is Jay saying, get ready for my new podcast, Doctor Who Minute, where we break everything down. Uh, no, that's really not. <laughs> and this is Kira saying, I had something much more eloquent to say, but all I hear right now is just this piercing bark <laughs> in my ears, and I just can't concentrate. This is Julie saying, I don't think we'll be seeing those Sontarans. They were baked. This is Haley saying, you must be pretty good at podcasting if you survive to be 70, 60. <laughs> we'll see you next time. F- 43. I'm Cheers. Bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Gallifrey Public Radio. Want to keep the conversation going? You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Or just send us a good old-fashioned email to feedback at gallifreypublicradio.com. You can also give us a phone call at 754-225-5477. That's 754-CALL-GPR. And you may hear your voice on a future episode of the show. Everything's got to end sometime. Otherwise, nothing would ever get started. Join us next week for a brand new episode.
Radio is copyright 2022. See you next week.